At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. It's time to check out TBR, Book Riot's subscription service offering tailored book recommendations for readers of all stripes. With TBR, you tell our professional book nerds, we call them bibliologists, about your likes and dislikes, whether you want comfort or stretch reads, and of course, what your reading goals are, and then sit back while they comb through your Goodreads account, if you have one, and handpick recommendations and must-reads for you. TBR offers plans to receive three hardcover books in the mail or three recommendations by email, so there's an option for every budget, and the recommendations-only level is available worldwide. After each order, give your bibliologist feedback, update your requests to stay in line with your reading goals and expanding horizons, and basically have your own personal book concierge. Visit mytbr.co to sign up today. It only takes a few minutes. That's mytbr.co. Welcome to HeyYA. From great new books to favorite classic reads, news stories to the latest in on-screen adaptations, HeyYA is here to elevate the exciting world of young adult lit. HeyYA is a book rat podcast hosted by Erica Azafetti and me, Tears of Price. We are recording on Thursday, March 24th, 2022. Hello, Erica. How are you today? I'm doing well, considering that this week has been a little weird, and March flew by, I know. and I'm still processing it. But how are you? <laughs> I feel the same, honestly. Yeah. It's been a busy week, it's been a tough week, and I cannot believe that this month is almost over with. It's kind yeah. of bizarre. I'm kind of tired today, but we're powering through, and I'm excited to be talking about books. Yeah, at least there's that. At least there's the books. And also you have a really cute puppy. I so I do. know. Just putting your business out there. Your puppy's super cute. I do. I have a new golden retriever <laughs> puppy. He's eight weeks old and his name is Zeke. Oh. And he's very floofy and very naughty and very adorable. <laughs> and he's also very like adorable. half the reason why I'm so tired because he's still waking me up in the middle of the night. But I can forgive him because he's cute. He's super cute. so at least there's that there's that yes so let's see today we have to start with some news which is that Mm. last time you heard from us we did this whole huge episode about recent YA books to movies and tv shows adaptations and we somehow completely missed Mm. the fact that like Heartstopper by Alice Osman is being adapted and a trailer literally dropped, I think on the same day that our episode did. <laughs> and I was like, shoot, oh how did yeah. we miss that? Like we both yeah. missed it. So yeah. that's, that's an exciting thing is if you like the graphic novel series, Heartstopper by Alice Osman, um, mm-hmm. the trailer for the Netflix adaptation just dropped. It looks super cute. It looks very, very angsty mm-hmm. in a, you know, but like in a good way. Yes, deliciously angsty. Um, and I will say to our, you know, to be fair on us, it's sometimes kind of confusing to keep up with like all the 
you know, when people and companies, Paramount and Netflix and all these people option um, the rights to books. And then sometimes it doesn't go anywhere. And then sometimes it does. So yeah. this was probably mentioned, I feel like, a while ago, like as an option. Um, so it's easy to, like, not keep track of them, lose track of them. Yeah. But yes. So I'm trying to, you know, give us a little leeway here. <laughs> we did totally miss it, though. <laughs> yes, we did totally miss it. I also feel like Netflix is really good at being like, yeah, 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 we're working on it. And then like, oh, by the way, here's the trailer. It comes out next month. And you're like, wait a second, what? Yeah. So that's like a good problem to have, but it's also a lot to keep track of. And I mean, yeah. it means that we don't have to wait very long because remember when you used to like see a movie trailer and be like, I have to wait three months for that. Um, now we just have to like wait a month. So that's nice. Yeah, that's true. It, it It's not helping my, my um, what is it called? Like the... Um, I totally am blanking, but like when you have to wait for things and like versus getting them instantly, it's not yes, helping instant that. Instant gratification. Me. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Tears of words. Thank you for the words. Uh, I can English only sometimes though. Only sometimes. Um, yes. It's not helping my urge to be instantly gratified, but it is a good problem to have, like you said. So I'm not mad. Yes. So we'll add that to our cues. Mm-hmm. And today we are going to be judging some books by their covers. Oh, gasp. Yay. Gasp. <laughs> I totally judge books by their covers. I mean, oh, okay. yes. I do. I don't like judge, like, if it's a great book and it's a terrible cover, I don't like judge the book for it. But, like, we all, we see books, we see their covers. And I think all of us pick up books because of the covers. So, honestly. Like, I had a professor in college who taught Kidlet who was like, children don't care about the book covers. They care about what's inside the books. And I was like, have mm. you ever met a kid, like, a at all in your mm. life? Because that's so not true. And I also feel like teens are the same way. I'm the same way. And I'm yeah. an adult. So I think yeah. it's just human. We like pretty things. And we want to talk about the pretty things. So go for it. Yeah. And it's also, like, just before even getting like super deep into it it's like why would they put so much effort into covers if it like then all covers would just be like a plain boring brown or black you know like Mm -hmm. monochrome color obviously they're important because they're hiring artists and there's thought put into it and marketing and everything so i guess that i don't know that professor might have just had some wishful thinking Bless them. But disconnected from reality is my opinion. <laughs> uh yeah, I think so. It's definitely a big part of what I look forward to. Well, at what I look at. It helps you to get excited for a book, I feel. Definitely. Covers definitely build hype. And mm-hmm. there was, you know, for a long time, like this trend of like having to do like big cover reveals in YA. And, you know, you try to get an outlet to do your cover reveal because it would like drum up interest. And I feel like, you know, YA is swinging a little bit in the other direction now where they're not necessarily spending as much time on, um, you know, those splashy cover reveals, unless you're like a really big name lead title. Mm-hmm. But they're still really important. There's still like timing involved. And I can tell you if, like from the author's side, like, yeah, there's it's definitely like there's a reason why your editor doesn't like show you your cover and then be like, okay, just, you know, put it on 
Instagram or your website, whenever, like they do want you to kind of time it because it can, it can really drum up interest and publishers want to kind of, you know, build on that momentum. So, uh, cause people love seeing pretty things and it gets people excited about books. I always notice a huge uptick in like Goodreads ads whenever a cover is revealed. So, um, they're definitely important. Honestly. So what are covers that you like, what do you tend to look for in a cover? I mean, at the risk of sounding basic, I just like something (laughs) that is like pretty and catches my eye, which I think is very vague. And that can mean a lot of things, though, you know, like... I really like some cover trends or styles that I've really Mm -hmm. enjoyed. I've really liked, I don't know if there's an official art term for it, Mm. but there's like that sort of realistic sort of line art sort of style that I've seen a lot lately. And I like that. I like it. I think I know what you mean. Like it's like it's illustrated, but it's kind of realistic looking, but it's still, you can still tell that it's illustrated. Is that what you're? Yeah, exactly. And that's my favorite. Yeah. And there's usually like thin lines that kind of make up that illustration. Mm -hmm. I think it's really pretty. Those sorts of um, covers also come with like really bold or um, strong pops of color. I think like surprising pops of color um, is really attractive and like I mean speaking as somebody who I have a lime green book cover yes <laughs> <and> it is <laughs> like so in your face yeah and the first time I saw it at first my, like, my first reaction was like whoa that's green but then my second <laughs> reaction was people are gonna notice it and mm-hmm. it's so true like if I'm in a Barnes and Noble or a bookstore and I want to know if they have my book on the shelf I just have to like cast my eye in the direction of P and I will know if it is on the shelf because it pops out and i've had booksellers tell me like your cover really pops off the shelf so i think that that was a strong choice Mm -hmm. um just from like a practical perspective but i also really like colors that you like wouldn't necessarily think like oh that color but it really works i also you know love trying to just i'm trying to think of how to describe this when you look at a cover and you see like one big image but then you realize that there's like another image or there's elements like within that big image i think that can be really striking okay because it invites you to look a little bit closer what do you do you have like an example of that kind i'm trying to picture what you're saying so yeah like the biggest i think example would be like um lee bardugo six of crows Mm, okay okay because that that's kind of it's almost like an optical illusion where you would like see you know the the spires of like the uncrooked kingdom it's like the spires of the city but then you look closer and you realize there's a second image or a sitting in saint james by rita williams garcia is also a really good example because there's I realize I'm really bad at describing things, but there's like a, you know, person on the cover, but then like within that person, there's like more detailed images of what is actually in the book. I think that like those types of covers can be really striking because they, like I said, they force you to like look closer. So I also am just a sucker for like anything like extra about covers or book design in general. Um, Like if you have good embossing yeah (laughs) ribbons sprayed edges gorgeous Mm. end papers give me all that i know you just did a um 
Didn't you just do an Etsy post on sprayed covers? I did, yes. Which so was fabulous. We'll link to that in the show notes, but I did a an Etsy post for the site, which is like all of these beautiful books that you can buy with like the sprayed edges and... Um, Because so sprayed edges, if you look at like the, if you're not sure what the term is, if you look at a book block, so like the block of pages between the hardcover, um, if like the edges are colored, um, Mm -hmm. that's like a really cool and striking design element. But a lot of publishers don't often do that in their own production process because it adds a lot of money. Um, Surprise, surprise. So that's why if you see it, it's usually like a first print run special edition type of thing. But uh, because it's so popular, there's like this little cottage industry that's sprung up around (laughs) offering this service. So there are multiple Etsy shops where you can either go and buy books that people have purchased and then done like the sprayed edges and then they sell them on Etsy. And like they sell them for a little bit of, um, you know, an upcharge because they're adding a design element to it. Um, But you can also buy your own books and send them to them and they will do the sprayed edges. So like it just kind of makes your book feel like a collector's item rather than just another book, you know? They're really pretty. Yeah. And they're, they're personalized... Um, the ones I've seen are personalized to like, you know, it goes with the main cover. Yeah. I feel like it's like, you know, of course, covers a lot of times incorporate elements from the story. So that gets incorporated into the designed book edges. So they're really pretty, I have to say. <laughs> Just throwing that out there. Yes, totally. And I think that it's really like awesome when you see people using like stenciling and mm you know, freehand designing and drawing, like, I'm I'm just amazed because, like, I don't have that artistic ability, but Same. it's really cool to see it on books. And, and I think it's really awesome. Like, if you have a book that you really love and you get, like, a really nice edition of it and then you get, like, this exclusive art, you know, put onto that book, like, it's just amazing. Like, why would you not want to keep that forever and treasure it? The only trouble is then I would probably be afraid to actually read said book because I would want it. That's the thing. Yeah. But that's the thing. Some people just collect books and that's totally fine. That's also a separate thing from reading sometimes is just buying the books and collecting them. I feel like sometimes if you like really love a book and like you already read it and you love it, if you see like one of those um, book edge designers, like I feel like that would be a good little thing to do because it's like you already love it. So you already read it. So it could be like just something you have on display, maybe. Totally. I don't know if handling it will make some of the design come off, for, especially for those Etsy shops. I don't know how that works. Yeah, I don't know about the durability. I have a few books that have sprayed edges that I've just kind of kept you know, like I've read and Mm -hmm. I keep on the shelves and there, but there are ones that have been done by like the publisher. So I don't know about the difference in quality. The ones that I have, like the Lee Bardugo, Six of Crows and Crooked Kingdom, those came with black and red sprayed edges and they've held up pretty well, but I've only like read those books maybe once or twice. So, um, you know, they haven't rubbed off. Yeah, that makes sense. So... We have a few books to talk about that have some beautiful striking covers. We're going to see if it is fair to judge a book by its cover. But before that, we will get into our sponsor. 
This episode is sponsored by A Magic Steeped in Poison by Judy I. Lynn with Fierce Reads. For Ming, the only thing worse than losing her mother is knowing that it's her own fault. She was the one who unknowingly brewed the poison tea that killed her, the poison tea that now threatens to also take her sister's shoe. When Ning hears of a competition to find the kingdom's greatest Shinong Shi, masters of the ancient and magical art of tea making, she travels to the imperial city to compete. The winner will receive a favor from the princess, which may be Ning's only chance to save her sister's life. But between the backstabbing competitors, bloody court politics, and a mysterious and handsome boy with a shocking secret, Ning might actually be the one more in danger. This is a lush new fantasy world with court politics and a dash of romance that's inspired by Chinese and Taiwanese history and mythology, puts a fantastical spin on the art of tea making. It's also the first in a duology with book two, which is titled A Venom Dark and Sweet, coming out this year as well in August. Thanks again to A Magic Steeped in Poison by Judy Eileen with Fierce Reads. And speaking of gorgeous covers, a magic mm. steeped in poison has a beautiful cover. So pretty. Oh my God. So pretty. I love it. It's actually like one of those books that I think if I saw in the store and I didn't know anything about it, I would pick it up and be like, I have to buy this. Like, it's just too beautiful. I just have, I would just buy it. Yeah, yeah. it's so pretty. And I will say, um, I asked you earlier, like, what do you gravitate towards? And I will say that for me, yes. that. <laughs> Which that is being basically, I noticed that I too really love the illustrated covers, like um, where it's like in between, and I'm terrible at describing things as well, like I don't have the art terms, Um, but like kind of in between being real, realistic, but still obviously illustrated, like it's not so realistic that it looks like a a photograph, but it is like, you know, very, you know, in between approaching realism. And I also realized that I like, I tend to like covers that show young women or femme people. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't know if I, and I don't know if that's just me or if it's like a trend in YA more that there are just a lot of feminine people on covers in YA. I'm not sure. Yeah, it's interesting because I feel like we've gone through several sort of evolutions of that. Like, yeah, I'm old enough to remember when it was really popular in YA to have pictures of women, especially like girls in really beautiful dresses, but then like cut off their heads. (laughs) So like the cover ended like, like right below the chin. And it became a joke where people would be like, no more headless girls. Like, come on, like actually show their faces. So then, yeah, then you got like the the trend of like girls in like really beautiful dresses. Like Mm -hmm. I'm thinking like The Bells by Danielle Clayton and Marie Rutkowski's Winner's Curse series. Like at least the first covers of those had, you know, Scarl in really beautiful dresses. Like those were sort of part of the trend. Mm -hmm. Um, And now I think we're seeing a lot more like realistic sort of illustrated covers where you actually see like the faces or the full bodies. And I like that. I mean, it's it's nice to see people's faces. And I think like maybe... I don't know. I wonder if designers were, like, afraid of, like, being too specific with, like, 
people's faces and then like people yeah. be like well that's not how i imagine the protagonist so therefore they wouldn't like the cover but yeah. i think like well first what's the first thing you see you see the cover first you don't like read the book and then see the cover except for in mm-hmm. like really rare instances so i don't necessarily think that that would be a turn off um unless like the cover and like the person description were like wildly different then it might kind of be like what but i i think it's great to see so many more illustrated covers as well yeah and you bring up a good thing that i hadn't real hadn't thought about concerning myself and i'll ask you if you do this but i'm like i as we're saying like when you see a book online or in the store and it has a striking cover and you're drawn to it like the process of seeing the book and buying it because of the cover, maybe, or at least, you know, partially because of the cover and then reading it. For me, those are kind of two separate things. And you speak saying that just now about people like maybe um, not liking the picture on the cover because it doesn't align with how they envision the characters. I just realized like, I don't actually, once I see um, a character on the book, I don't necessarily um, picture them as they are on the cover. I think I kind of picture them just based on how they're described in the book. Yeah. Do you, like, substitute their description with as you're reading with, like, the image they give you on the cover? Um, this is the part of the episode where I admit that I am not super visual when it comes to character appearances. Like, yeah. I like hearing about characters appearances because i think appearances are obviously very important and like it might be significant to know that you you know have a conventionally pretty redhead or you know whatever um i think like obviously physical appearance is important especially when it comes to race too like obviously the characters and what they look like you know that has an impact on the story but like as i'm reading i don't feel like i'm a very, very, very visual person in the sense that I'm, like, picturing exactly what I think that they look like. This is why I'm also really terrible when people ask me, like, what would your dream cast for this book be? Because I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. But So, like, for me, it doesn't it doesn't bother me so much if, like, there's a difference and I don't necessarily, yeah. like, replace. I don't know. I, I don't, It's not that I don't picture things as I read. It's just that when it comes to the people... I don't spend a lot of time picturing what they actually look like beyond like bare bones, if that makes any sense. No, that makes sense. I think I'm the same way, except like the book I just finished reading, um, the latest one I just finished reading, the main character's appearance throughout the book was part of the story. So for like that reason, I kept picturing her because she was turning into a demon. So her skin was like bright blue and people kept commenting on it. Yeah, pretty important. (laughs) (laughs) So that's, you know, that's kind of part of the story. Um, But I think, yeah, past the basic, like the first description where they're like, oh, his hair was muscled, muffled, or muscled? Tossled? I think tussled. Words are escaping (laughs) me today. Just pretend like I know English very well and it's my native language because it is. Um, Yeah. And his skin looked like this and his eyes were round. And, you know, apart from that, I don't like super duper remember sometimes. Um, So it's just interesting that uh, you brought up that point that people get bothered by that because I'm like, that doesn't affect me at all. So I was just wondering if you had that issue too. Yeah, and it doesn't bother me. And I think like it bothers fewer people than maybe one would think. Right. 
And it's, it's interesting to see how people react, though, when you change a cover, especially mm. if, like, there's a person on the cover. Like, if you go from a cover that's more illustrated to a cover where there's, like, people on it, and how people react to, like, well, that's not how I pictured them. <laughs> I think that's more of an issue when you have, like, reissues, but yeah. if it's a brand new book that nobody's read, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Yeah. But I could be wrong. Some cover designer out there or marketer out there could be like, well, actually, let me tell you yeah. about the reactions we've heard. But that's mm-hmm. just kind of my my gut take on it. Yeah. Except like when you when they change the cover for the movie. Like the movie I hate cover. that. Oh my gosh. Ooh, we're not going to talk about that. Like, especially when it's like, yeah, that is just... And then they put a sticker on it. Why? I don't know. I don't know why they stay putting like the... The stickers that are like within that become a part of the cover that you can't take off. That is super aggravating. Stickers aggravate me <laughs> in general. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know why. I, I don't, I'm like, maybe again, maybe some marketers like, oh, actually, that <laughs> helps to sell books. Cause I'm like, every other, like, you know, bookish person I know or whatever, like, really does not care for it. So, yeah. I don't know what's going on with that. But what is, what's a specific book that you feel like has a really pretty cover that you wanted to talk about? Okay. I gasped the first time I saw the (laughs) cover of Starling by Isabel Strikash because it's just really, it's really beautiful. So... Starling has this cover that's kind of got like this ombre, like pink to blue. And it has like that same sort of um, what I was describing earlier with like the realistic sort of drawing, but it's more in like thin lines. And it's this um, couple that are embracing. And against the background in the blue is like this beautiful starry night sky. And then going down into the pink on the bottom, there are like trees and there's like a landscape. And so the the couple, he is blue and she is pink. And I don't know, it's just really, really gorgeous. And I also really like that it's like this deep, almost greenish blue contrasted with this really light, delicate pink. It's beautiful. And I think it's also a really good interpretation of the book as well, um, because the book is kind of dreamy. The book is magical. The book is like emotionally intense. So, yes, Starling by Isabel Streetcash is gorgeous, in my opinion. It is really pretty. Um, and that's another good point you bring up. Like after the initial attraction to the cover, um, that you and I seem to have a weakness for. <laughs> I certainly do. Um, it's like, how does the cover actually like represent the inside of the book? So, yes. um, I did mention this book in this week. Well, it will have aired, um, yesterday for now, but like by the time this episode airs, it will be last week's episode for extra credit when I was talking about books that are like the movie Spirited Away by Hayao Miyazaki. Um, mm-hmm. It's called A Thousand Steps Into Night by Tracy Chi. And at first I wasn't going to include it because I just spoke about it. But as far as pretty covers go that look like, that like represent the inside of the book and are really pretty, this one features 
a an illustrated, uh, I guess you could say Japanese girl, because it's Japanese, um, Japanese folklore, mythology, and culture based. Although it's not set in actual Japan, but it's you know based off of that. So she is in like the clothing from that era, and it's probably the time is not given. It's probably like in the seventeen or eighteen hundreds, something like that. And she's in this really bright red gown, a uh, Japanese-inspired gown. And it's really this really pretty, like, striking red color. And then, like, the bottom half of the cover, the book cover, is, like, blue. And it kind of looks like a sea of blue. It's not a sea, but it's kind of just, like, abstractly placed. In the bottom left corner, there's this blue bird. It's like a magpie or whatever. And like I said earlier... The character's appearance is important in this book because, and this is not a spoiler, it's part of the main plot. It's like on the book, the book blurb, she gets turned, she gets cursed and she starts turning into a demon throughout the book. And that's like her main goal in the book is to stop that full transformation from happening and she starts to turn blue. So what I really love about this cover is the striking bold colors and the pretty illustrations of it so and it definitely reflects like what's in the book too which i think is nice oh yeah that one's really gorgeous i really Mm -hmm. really like that one and i like the contrasting sort of bright colors which i think is another element that you and i both share an admiration for love it yes well that's really similar to the next one i want to talk about like similar in the sense that like We've got some really bold colors. So I really love Six Crimson Cranes by Elizabeth Lim. Um, And the cover for the sequel, The Dragon's Promise, was just revealed rather recently. Um, And I feel like this hits the sweet spot of, you know, these bold colors, but also um, realistic drawn girls on the cover. Um, I love, love, love the illustrations. And I think, in fact, that um, the publisher actually commissioned paintings for these covers, which I think is really awesome. So this artist did these covers just, you know, did the drawings just for the books. So Six Crimson Cranes has, you know, this beautiful girl who's staring straight out at you. And then she's kind of surrounded by these cranes um, white cranes with the red um, sort of heads and I don't know it's just really bold and I love the title um, typography and then the sequel The Dragon's Promise has a blue and green dragon that she's surrounded by and it's got this really bold yellow cover or excuse me yellow type for the title which I think is really awesome Um, and I think you like those as well too I stan Elizabeth (laughs) Lim. Her covers are so good. Her covers, the first, like, I don't think this was her debut, but Spin the Dawn. uh, That was the first, that was my introduction to Elizabeth Lim. I think she might have other uh, books, don't quote me. But that cover, I was like, gas. Yes. And that one features a young woman with, like, uh, this... I don't know what you call it. A kind of a glove that is missing two fingers and has two fingers. And she's holding this like tapestry with like the sun and clouds and stars and stuff. And there's like a lot of motion. And again, it's the illustrated. It's kind of in this, in a very similar style yes. as Six Crimson Cranes. And the colors are bold. 
and I like the type typography. Thank you for thank you for some some uh, you know lingo, Tirza. Thank <laughs> yes. you. I need the I need I all the help with the words it. today. <laughs> I need some help with all the words. So all of Elizabeth Lim's covers that I've seen are so pretty, and I think they they're such a good representation of like things that I like in YA covers. So yeah, I agree when you say like they kind of just gather up all those things really nicely that I like to see in covers. Yes. And I like what you said about how they kind of like depict motion because mm. even in Six Crimson Cranes and the Dragon's Promise, like the cranes are in motion. Um, her hair is kind of like got that windswept look. And then the Dragon's Promise, it's like the dragon is kind of like curling itself around her. And you get the impression that like he's in motion as well. It's just really cool. It's just so nice. It's so nice. Whatever... Yes, the painting they commissioned, like, we need everyone to commission paintings from four YA covers from henceforth. Yes. <laughs> See here, gavel, gavel uh, stricken. Yes. <laughs> the next one I liked, uh, that I would like to mention, I believe you read this one as well, This Poison Heart by Kaylin Bayron. Yes. And so pretty. It shows a black girl with this beautiful afro and glasses. Oh, and I should say it's another, like, kind of realistically illustrated um, picture. And she's surrounded by plants. And she's kind of looking onward, kind of seriously or fiercely, if you want to say it like that. And the colors, I think, work really well together, like... They are natural colors. Like there's, you know, it's a lot of plants. So there's greens, there's some pinks, some reds, some purples. But they're also like, they're flowers. So they're pretty. They're pretty colors. And um, it has a lot to do with, has like a lot of elemental magic. It has Greek mythology. It, But it's like in the modern age. So like everything together, I think it's just such a pretty a pretty cover and the cover for the, well, the second book is coming out um, later this year and it's called this wicked fate. And it's in the same style. The color scheme is very different though. For the second book, it has um, two black girls on there. They're holding hands. It kind of has more of like a kind of like a purpley, a theme because they're both wearing purple and the flowers are kind of purple and the background is kind of like a blue and green. I think I like the first cover a little better um, because I just really like it, but I like both. <laughs> I will say I like both of them. Oh yeah. They're so great. I love the book and I can't wait for the sequel. Um, mm-hmm. What I also really like about this poison heart is I love her glasses. Yes, her glasses are so nice. That's like the perfect, like, I would literally wear those glasses. Like, I have a big face. So, but <laughs> like, I need those glasses to, like, you know, balance. Like, by the time I put glasses on, sometimes they look so small. But her, yeah, her fashions are A1 in this. Her glasses, her hair, her, her hoop earrings. Very cute. Yes. Love it. 
Totally agree. Let's see. I also talked, I talked a little bit about sitting in St. James um, at the top of the show. I just pulled up the cover on my phone so I could better describe it for you all. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the point that I was trying to make is like the, the cover is a silhouette. Like that's the first thing you see. But the silhouette you see is also made up of like a field. And then like you look into the silhouette and at the heart of it is a man on a horse. And you see somebody working in the fields. And in the very distance you see like a plantation house which is appropriate considering that this takes place in the south on a plantation um i think it's really gorgeous i love like the dimension to that cover but then the next cover i really wanted to talk about um because it's different from the ones that we have been chatting about is the reissue um edition of i capture the castle so i capture the castle is um, a novel by Dodie Smith, and it's it was published in the 1940s, so that's kind of before young adult existed as a designation. But it has you know since been reissued; it's still in print. So I think that with its reissue, it's been marketed as a young adult book, which feels accurate. Like it is a coming of age story um, about a teenage girl. And so very briefly, the book is about this family that lives in this castle that's falling down and it's in disrepair and the family is terribly poor and it's in England and the countryside and the estate next door to them is purchased by rich Americans who have two young sons, like teenage sons, and immediately people kind of start thinking like, hmm, you know, maybe, um, Maybe the oldest son will marry our oldest daughter and our financial woes will be solved because, you know, this is like the 1930s England. So the reissue edition is this really bright yellow, but like not a neon yellow. It's just a bright yellow. And then it's like this sort of almost like a die cut blue castle with green and white trees and hills and then kind of spinning down from the bottom of the castle is a pen uh, a blue pen which is significant because the book is told as a diary and it's just really striking those the blue and the green and the yellow are colors that I don't know if I would have initially picked out for this book just because those I don't know I I don't get those those vibes but like they work really well together. The castle is pretty basic but I think like the overall image is very very striking. And then if you actually get the book in person, um the cover is actually um paper over board so there's no like dust jacket or slipcover and the there's like a ribbon marker like it's a really gorgeous hardcover book um and i think that this is an example of you know if you have a book that you really love and you really want like a nice copy like this is it and i love i capture the castle it's one of my favorite books of all time so the reissue edition is put out by wednesday books it has a new forward written by jenny han it's definitely worth buying if you love this book or if you've never read this book i highly recommend picking it up i'm gonna have to read that book you said it's like one of your favorite of all time one of my favorite of all time. Like, obviously, that's not a short list because yeah, I'm a huge no, reader, that's saying but, a lot. Yeah, but it's so good. It's so charming. 
It, mm-hmm. it has, unfortunately, this beautiful edition has a blurb by an author who will not be named on this podcast that I mm. absolutely cannot stand. But just, like, ignore that part and read the book because the book is so fantastic. I will say, yeah, I will say that kind of like what you were um, describing about your own book, like when you see it in Barnes & Noble or, you know, a local bookstore, whatever, I feel like I would see... I would notice this book from afar. It's like bright, yes. like banana yellow, but it's a pleasant yellow, like you said. And I would not, I would not think to put these colors together, but it does really work. It is very, yeah. um, and then just how you described it, you said it had like a, a ribbon bookmark and stuff like that. So it's so lovely. Like it's the type of copy you buy and you're like, I immediately need to reread this because I would like to be seen in a coffee shop reading this book. <laughs> Because it's so pretty. Yes. That's definitely going on the list. I love a striking color. Yeah. The only peril I will say about this cover, and it's something Mm -hmm. that I didn't think about because I actually read this book before this edition came out, is I had a friend who bought the book without even knowing what it was about. Because the cover is that beautiful that you would just buy it not knowing what it's about. And she Mm -hmm. legitimately thought it was a fantasy novel. And I was like, oh, oh no. It's it's not fantasy. And she was really disappointed. But I was like, but I promise you it's still a really good book. So I think like people might look at it and think that it's a fantasy novel like this like happy gentle fantasy um and it's not but it's still a wonderful book i did think it was a fantasy like i heard what you were saying and i was like oh it's probably some kind of there's fantasy somewhere in there i definitely thought it was a fantasy so it's a good yes. it's an important no, it's distinction completely, completely realistic but still lovely yeah it sounds really nice I will also break away a little bit from the covers we were talking we've been talking about for most of this episode and talk about Year of the Reaper by Makia Lucier. And this is, I don't know if it's, I don't know that I would call it pretty, but it's really striking to me and I really, really like the cover. So, so I'm going to count that as pretty because I really like it. <laughs> and I, the cover, like, in addition to like reviews and uh, reading a bit of it helped me to buy it actually. So the cover features this person. Um, they're kind of looking off. Their head is tilted a little down and they're kind of looking off into the distance and they're wearing what appears to be like kind of medieval armor. And they have a mace that they're holding with their left hand and the mace is kind of hanging, like resting on their shoulder, their left shoulder. So that sounds kind of like blah, whatever. What's really super striking and I think what does it for me is that they are head to toe. They're like black. They're all black, like the color black, like onyx. And there are like these cracks in their face. And there's like, there are these cracks in like the armor. And in the distance, there is a castle. It's kind of foggy. And there's like an eagle, an eagle, sorry, flying overhead and I think just all together like the the richness just like the straight blackness I'm just like it draws me in and I'm like okay so what's going on there like that's kind of like an un, that's an unnatural human color <laughs> for you to be like head to toe it kind of almost looks like they're like covered in a like an, an obsidian or like a thin layer of tar or something like that so it just really drew me in to to want to know like what the story is about. And it's, so it kind of does take place in like medieval-ish times. It's about Cass 
And I will also say, I do believe that this is um, the person on the cover is a young man, which is a difference from my usual, you know, young woman on the cover. <laughs> um, so that's cool. But it's about Cass, who is a nobleman who can see ghosts. He was like captured by enemy soldiers and he worked for a while as an indentured servant. Then a plague swept over the land and that gave him a chance to escape. So, you know, if you're not trying to read about a plague, you know, heads up on that. Um, but he escapes, he goes back home and the, like the first day he's home, he ends up like saving the royal family's infant son, the king and queens, you know, like the prince, the baby prince. And so like everyone's basically like, oh my God, you're back. Great. You know, like, you know, we were worried about you. You were like a prisoner of war and stuff like that. It's good you're back. But some people are, you know, kind of shady about it. So there's some little mystery there. And then people around, people who are close to the queen start to die. They're getting murdered basically. And Cass sets out to figure out who's killing them. And he gets help from the king's sister. Her name is Lena. She's a hist an historian. So the two basically trace the steps of the killer. And they start to unearth some troubling things about the queen. Um, things that could potentially end the 50 years of peace the kingdom has been experiencing. Um, because when the queen and the king married, their uh, kingdoms were at war. So then marrying helped bring peace to the land basically. So I think this does a good job of exploring like trauma, loss and morality and stuff like that. And it's interesting because I said like, it does kind of appear to be like medieval times, um, but the characters are described as having like bronze and golden skin tones and like dark hair and eyes and stuff like that. So there is that. Um, but Year of the Reaper by Machia Lucier. Um, I love the cover. I think it's so striking. It's so striking to me. Yeah, it's really striking. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's one, like, I I don't know if that book would have been on my radar otherwise, except for I saw the cover and I kept, like, seeing it yeah. um, in coverage and whatnot. And I was like, okay, I need to figure out what this book is about because it looks exactly. really interesting. And I like that there's definitely a trend, I think, you and I have uh, are probably targets for the marketing. Like the other, the other covers that we've discussed have been kind of similar in ways. Um, so it's those kind of covers. They obviously do work even for people who see a lot of covers like us who read a lot and stuff like that. So I do like how with this one, they took like a totally different turn from like what else is out there, you know, in yeah. plentiful numbers, whatever. But yeah, this is really, this is really cool. Awesome. I think it's time for another sponsor. For sure. So, did you know that Book Rat has over 25 newsletters covering every genre, as well as book news and deals? Sign up for book deals to get notified about the best book sales of the day, handpicked by our editorial staff. Then there's Today in Books, which sums up the most interesting literary headlines every day. The Riot Rundown, which is our roundup of our most exciting new content. And finally, our new books newsletter that compiles a list of the week's best new releases and comes to you every Tuesday, which, if you didn't know, is new release day in publishing. We also have newsletters for horror fans, romance readers, YA enthusiasts, mystery and thriller aficionados, and more. Just go to bookriot.com forward slash newsletters to sign up for whichever ones are most interesting to you. All right. So let's see. What else have we covered that we 
Or what else do we still have that we want to talk about? Because I feel like I'm getting excited to talk about my final pick. Are you ready to go into that? Yes. I think that sounds like a good idea. Okay. (laughs) So this is kind of funny because we both picked books by the same author. And then I was like, why don't we just talk about all of our covers in general? Mm -hmm. Um, We love Nina LaCour's covers, which I think is, you know, pretty fair. A lot of people really love her covers. So I know that you want to talk about her her newest hardcover cover, but really quickly, I want to talk about the fact that like sometimes a cover is so successful, so beautiful, and it like really sort of nails, I think, an author's identity in terms of like all of their books um, that publishers will reissue like their entire backlist with covers that like sort of match. So they kind of look like they're part of a series, even if they're not. And that is what has happened with Nina LaCour's sort of cover makeover backlist. So We Are Okay is her Prince Award winning novel. And it has a very distinctive style of, you know, that sort of simple line drawn, but sort of realistic looking cover. And that was so popular that they have reissued her first book, Hold Still, but then also The Disenchantments, Everything Leads to You, and now the paperback edition of Watch Over Me. They are all done in that style, which has like these really bright, bold colors that sort of, like it has like one color that sort of defines it with a few accent colors, um, and then these beautiful drawings, and they're really saturated, they're really lovely, they're very striking, um, and the cover Illustrations are all done by the artist Adams Cavallero, who um, has a great Instagram page. And that is definitely this artist's style. And I will link that in the show notes. But if you just like page through the Instagram page, it's like all of the art is kind of similar in tone and style. And I think that's really perfect for Nina LaCour's books because her books are kind of dreamy, very emotionally intense, and they're just really intimate as well. So those covers I think are perfect. This is like one instance where I don't mind that the publisher has redone all the covers, except for the fact that my wallet minds because now I want them all, even though I already own all her books. <laughs> That's the thing. Oh my gosh. Some, yeah, they know, they know what they're doing. Some, yes. for some authors, definitely, like you will definitely be like, you know what? I already read this and I have like the paperback or whatever, but I'm about to I'm about to blow some money on these uh, these yeah. new covers here. I like how you described um, that's so true. Like the new the new like reissue covers really do fit the kind of like dreamlike landscape, um, and they look like they look like uh, you're in this kind of like other dimension, like either a dream world or like kind of an in between, like you know other plane of existence kind of yeah in addition to being striking and pretty it's like very trippy in a way yes which is awesome but like it also i mean i really do like the one that you're going to talk about which was the hardcover cover of watch over me Mm -hmm. because it's it has the same vibes but in a very different style yes and I love that. Okay, so Watch Over Me, the original one that wasn't like was before the reissue, features a young woman, surprise, surprise, <laughs> in a 
uh, like a realistic illustration and she has light skin and she's kind of looking down where her face is kind of like she looks kind of sad and her she has like long blonde hair that is kind of like falling upward yeah by that i mean it looks like it's falling like say if you kind of leaned if someone was lying on the bed and their head was kind of laying off the edge of the bed and their hair was falling down it kind of looks like that except that it's falling up it's going up instead of down and it's kind of going up past the cover and in her hair she has these like uh like white and pink flowers and again i get a sense of i get like this sense of motion kind of and it kind of gives me this idea of drowning in a way like the hair that's falling around her face that's actually falling down around her face it almost seems kind of like wet and there's this like um there's great texture to the picture and i should also say the background is like a light blue so all of the colors kind of work together it's kind of like a soft all around a soft color palette and it gives me this sense of like with the expression on her face, it kind of gives me the sense that she's kind of like drowning in depression in a way, basically. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just so fitting for what the story is about. So it's about Mila, who uh, has aged out of the foster care system. She gets a job and she goes to work at a farm in Northern California. But she's... Like, it's, like, haunted by the other young people that uh, used to be there that have escaped. And she's kind of haunted by her own terrible memories. So I feel like it it really works. And just, like, the kind of uncanniness of, like, your hair falling up or, like, being held up and just, like, everything from the picture, I feel like it does give you that sense of kind of, like, magical realism, kind of, like, dreamy. Um, like you were saying, basically, it's it's kind of a communicating the same feel as the reissued covers, but just in a different way. Yeah, totally. It's so beautiful. And I think that was another one that was um, the, like the artwork was commissioned by an artist like as a painting. And I remember when that book was coming out, Penguin was running a pre-order campaign where if you pre-ordered the book, you got that that cover art without like the typography as an art print. What? Yeah, I know. And I remember being really tempted at the time to like submit or like pre-order and, you know, submit my receipt to get that because the print is just really striking. And I think I didn't because, um, like Penguin sent me, you know, a finished copy since I work for the site and I do a lot of, yeah. you know, books. So, and I, but like now I have regrets. <laughs> I really yeah. wish that I had gotten that because it's like, it's so beautiful. Like I would totally frame it and hang it in my house. That's how lovely it is. Yeah, it's really. And um, I think the motion makes sense. I'm obviously not like a professional art des- describer, but like the motion that I'm seeing, especially like in, I don't know if that's a shawl or just some abstract image that's kind of surrounding her shoulders. It looks like waves and it does look like brush strokes. So that I feel like that's kind of where partially where the motion that I'm detecting is coming from. So it makes sense that it was, it was painting. It's a painting. So it's so pretty. I would definitely frame it and put it somewhere. Gorgeous. Oh yeah. 
Mm-hmm, totally. It's beautiful. So, yeah. Um, and I think, oh, the other thing about this, because I don't know if you have like a hardcover finished copy. If you open up the book, there's like another version like of the cover, but her eyes are open. What? I think I have a paperback. Do I have the? I literally just got it. <laughs> <laughs> it's so beautiful. Either way. It's so pretty. Yeah, I just got it and it was partially why I got it. I have a hardcover, so I I wonder if maybe that's not something that made it into the first paperback. But either way, it's just, yeah, it's really striking. So It's so pretty. Yeah, I mean, really, what were you saying before we started recording? Like, in this day and age, there's no excuse for an ugly cover. Like, there's it's not. just, you know... We have so much available to us in terms of, like, technology and talent as well. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, you can find people um, just, you know, on the internet. Like, maybe you can help to discover someone. There are so many great artists out there. And even though, as we've said a couple times in this show, uh, you know, you and I may tend to gravitate towards kind of similar, like, you know, illustrated girl on the cover, pretty bright colors. Some of the other ones, if we've mentioned, um, stray, stray away from that, that trend. So there are so many possibilities in terms of, and artists, like there are so many artists that would come up with so many other interesting motifs and covers. So no excuses. Yeah, I know. I'm sure some cover designers are like shaking their heads at us like you have no idea how hard it is, which is true. I'm sure it is. We have so much respect for you Mm -hmm. because you make book covers so pretty. And I know it's hard to because uh, I think one thing that a lot of people don't realize is that major retailers like Barnes and Noble actually do have a lot of say in covers is, you know, whether or not, you know, a cover will fly with them because they have the power to say like, if this is the cover, we won't carry it in our stores. And that's really tough. Oh, like, I it's didn't a hard... know that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's something that I don't think a lot of people realize that like, you know, big retailers, you know, have that, that sway. And I've even heard that like Walmart would be like, I would carry, you know, we would carry this book in our stores, but like you have to change the title or you have to change this. And I mean, publishers will do that change. So it can sometimes be difficult. There's a lot of like marketing stuff that goes into creating these covers. Um, We're making it sound like, oh, it's just simple, make something beautiful, but I'm sure it's not. But I also feel like we are simple. We just want pretty things on our books. Honestly, (laughs) I just want a good book that looks pretty on the outside. Yeah. Before we wrap things up, we just wanted to like share a few resources. So um, one thing that if you like love a cover, oftentimes you can discover who the artist is, like follow them on Instagram, support their work, buy stuff from their online shops. Um, If you um, have ever gone looking for a book cover artist um it's usually pretty easy like on hardcover books that's usually on the back flap of the dust jacket on paperbacks it's usually on the back cover if you don't see it there try looking on the copyright page so there's a couple different things to keep in mind so if you see a cover designer name that's usually the person at the publishing house who's responsible for designing the cover like they, they take the art but then they also design like all the other cover elements like making it come together to look you know, like a book. So they'll put the title on, they'll put, you know, the typography, they will like design the layout um, and all of like the really cool 
sort of artistic details on the inside of the book, that is what a designer does, then oftentimes the artist is somebody different and they're the ones who actually create the cover art. So both designers and artists are hugely influential in making books look gorgeous and putting them together. Um, I highly recommend also following cover designers on Instagram if you can find them. Not everybody has Instagram pages, um, but they're really fun to follow. Um, So one, um, a couple other um, Instagram accounts to follow if you really just love book covers. Random House YA Design. They have an account where they showcase their covers and they sometimes talk about the process, um, as does Wednesday Design. So Wednesday Design is with Wednesday Books, which is a um, imprint of Macmillan, and they are the ones behind the I Capture the Castle cover. So they will often um, sometimes put out videos and just um, images of their processes, which I think is really cool to see. So definitely check those out. And then we're also going to link a Book Riot article to cover designers on Instagram that you can follow. Yes. So yeah, that is it for us this week. Thanks so much for hanging out and talking about book covers and let us know Uh, what book covers you love and what some of your favorites are, you can always email us at heyya at bookriot.com. And please feel free to leave us some feedback on the show. You can leave us feedback on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and let us know how we're doing. That also helps others find us. Um, Don't forget to visit bookrat.com for newsletters, more podcasts, and all things bookish. Thanks to today's sponsors for making the show possible. And thanks, as always, to our amazing audio editor, Jen Zink. Finally, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram. I hang out at at Tears of Price. And Erica, how about you? I am occasionally on Twitter at Erica. That's E-R-I-C-A underscore E-Z-E underscore. So yeah, come say hi. (laughs) Yeah, we like talking with people. So we will be back here in two weeks. And until then, happy reading. Happy reading. Happy reading.